Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! Sorry, anyway, I thought I just spilled some coffee, but I guess I didn't. Um, oh, be, be careful, that's probably hot. <laughs> no, it's okay, I made it like half an hour. <laughs> oh, well, then never mind, it's probably cold. It's probably incredibly right. lukewarm. Sally? We shall. We shall. Into this thing? We shall. <clears throat> Alrighty. It's, uh, it's the time. Good morning, everyone. It's Feeny Call time. Hope you're prepared, strapped in for a an exciting and incredibly relevant holiday episode. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, it is a, it is a Turkey Day episode for the Thanksgiving times. An interesting interesting episode to say the least one that i like i I remember and i think about it but then at the same time i don't feel like i rewatch it a bunch so i'm excited to to talk about it yeah i think it's one of those where i know it and it really sticks out in my brain because the final scene is very powerful but i wouldn't say i watch it more than the other ones i i wouldn't even say as far as like holiday episodes go it's it's probably not even in my top five but like Again, that last scene is very powerful, so I really appreciate uh, what mm-hmm. they what they do with it. If you're just tuning in and you didn't look at the title, this is season four, episode ten, Turkey Day of Boy Meets World. That's what we talk about here on the feed call. <laughs> in case you didn't know, I'm Megan. If you're here by accident and you thought that you were tuning into my favorite murder, <laughs> I'm Skyler. <laughs> neither of us live in California, so you're already in the wrong time zone. Try again. You're just wrong. It's all wrong. It's just all wrong. You're not going to get that same fix, but maybe a different one. True. Anyway, welcome. Hi. It's my turn to recap, right? Indeed it is. Before we get there, though, my little fun fact for the day, the Matthews say that they live in Cedar Heights, or Morgan uh, points that out, and Cedar Heights is actually a, uh, it's a neighborhood in uh, Pennsylvania, or in Philadelphia specifically, which is... uh, Pretty cool, because I was like, oh, they definitely made that up. But no, it actually is out there. It's close to the Elmwood Park Zoo. It's uh, right. It's like northwest of uh, downtown Philadelphia. There you go. Where they live is a real place. And another fun fact about that is they're like stuck in between Pottstown and Philadelphia, which is obviously where we picked up this season. They're out in between. Like if you look on a map, Philadelphia and Pottstown, they're like right in the in between those two. It's a little hmm. All right. geography fun fact for you today. Because mm-hmm. I totally thought she was bluffing. I thought they made that up just like they made up the Pink Flamingo trail, Trailer Park. But no, ma'am. It's it's there. All right. So it's my turn for the recap, right? Yes. Yes. Okie dokie. Here we go. Ready? Yes. Let me look at the marker. And... <clears throat> So in school, they're learning about the uh, Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda. And then uh, Feeney awards Sean and Corey a prize for the canned food drive. They get a turkey and stuffing. They decide they want to have Thanksgiving together. The Matthews aren't excited. The Hunters aren't excited. They go to the trailer park for Thanksgiving. They have some class problems. They are both weirdly interacting with each other. Other folks are like, get them out of here. And then the kids all sit down at a table outside and get along. Great. It was, not a great. it was not a very good one. I mean, was, there's not like much else unless you want to. No, it was just details. like I don't know. I could have, I could have nailed that a little better, but that's okay. Welcome to my <laughs> side of the recap. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. Good and what's you know, bad. I do Thanksgiving stuff. 
And it, despite this episode being in 1996, yes. right? Yeah. This episode aired in November 1996. They, in school, are discussing the uh, conflict between Rwanda uh, and Rwanda, between Hutus and Tutsis, mm-hmm. which was primarily taking place in 1994. But to me, it kind of seems like they're talking about it as if it's ongoing current events. And that's not to say that, like, it was wrapped up in a neat little bow in 1994. (laughs) But, like, the Rwandan Civil War and largely, like, a genocide of Tutsis was 1994. So that just confused me. I'm not saying they needed to, like, get in the the dirty details. (laughs) Ah, But, yeah. Okay, my Wi-Fi is being weird, just in case I... I was going to say, I can hear you. You're having moments of like cutting in and out, but I can, I'll stop you if it's unbearable yeah, to make you. If it gets to be too much, let me know. Even NPR has little echoes sometimes because the reporters are having to report from their closets in their house. So oh, we're yeah. fun. So yeah, anyway, that was my first kind of remark, but, I, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Megan, what did yeah. you learn in this episode, in this very special very Thanksgiving special episode? Thanksgiving episode. I learned, so there's a quote that was flying around during, kind of in June, during a lot of the protests and things like that. It's a quote by Eliezer Yudkowsky, and the quote itself is, you are personally responsible for becoming more ethical than the society that you grew up in. And I remember reading that, like, that's really all I could think about when I was watching this episode, so I figured that, 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 that was kind of my starting point, and then from there, I was like, to elaborate on that really when it comes to like parents as we like babies of the 90s grow up and start having our own babies and really as millennials are having babies in general I think that we are in kind of a a tricky spot where we're growing up and we're like getting like too not too old for social media but some of it's like going over our heads and we aren't as young as we used to be and that kind of stuff but we are also still very plugged in because of our childhoods I feel like it's it's not only that we are personally responsible for becoming more ethical it's that we are responsible to also be bringing up children to be more ethical as well and not find ourselves in a position like the Matthews do where they are they're like oh we need to be positive blah 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 and then Amy's like I don't want to leave my purse in the car and and uh, the like issues with the forks and she's like trying to play off the fact that she gave this like nice dish to their mailman and it's it's like growing up from not only setting an example, or I should say not only learning yourself, but also setting an example, a direct example by your actions for those around you and specifically your children. Because obviously Corey and Sean are not having these issues. And Corey says, I'm glad that my parents taught me that even though they don't have the same kind of outlook. So we also need to be teaching our children not just by our words, but by example. And we need to be continuing mm-hmm. to grow as a society, but also on a personal level and just keep educating ourselves and becoming more ethical. Yeah. That was very long winded. I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's great. That's really good. Yeah. I would say that yes to all that. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, and then I think what I what my kind of takeaway from this episode um, to to add to to what you're saying mm-hmm. um, has a lot to do with 
just the idea of empathy. I was gonna say something about recognizing similarities more than differences. There's like this fine line there of uh, there's there's a there's a conversation happening everywhere right now about like we can disagree and still be friends, and it's like yeah, y'all, that's true on yes. certain things, on you like- know. Whether or not you the like the color purple. <laughs> sure. Like those are those are fine things we can disagree about and still get along just fine. But we, we can't disagree on like the value of a person's life mm-hmm. <laughs> and and certain things like that and still get along just fine. Yeah. Now that being said, you know, that, that's not really what's happening here, I think. So this idea that like they there's there's far more similar between the Matthews and the Hunters than there is dissimilar. Yes. The kids are in a position of empathy and kindness and, and that like if you're able to to lead with that that kindness and that empathy, then generally speaking, everyone's gonna have a better time. <laughs> Truly. And you'll be able to connect um, with more people, which is just better. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's hard it's hard for me to top your your point of being better than than the society that raised you and that's really the chief takeaway probably but trying to trying to jump on it with something (laughs) i mean that you're you're not wrong it was kind of a tricky part because i was like really they're not that different except for like income Mm -hmm. levels but i was also trying to like empathize with both families because if amy was really trying she'd be like oh like kind of how she made the mistake of saying, well, our forks were mismatched when we were first starting out. Like, it was a bad way to say it, but it was her really trying to connect. And they probably can't connect on a lot of things if she's talking about, oh, well, we went and saw this movie. They're like, oh, well, we don't uh, go see movies and we don't really have a TV. So so I, I see, like, both sides of this where, like, a lot of the surface level things they don't have in common. But underneath, I mean... Yeah, if they just have like a little empathy and they can they can talk about the boys. They don't have to talk about I don't know, literally anything else. They can just talk about their kids. People talk about their kids for days. What kind of parents are they? I I agree. People are people are tired of hearing parents talk about their kids and it blows my <laughs> mind that at no point did the two of these people just start talking about their kids, you know. Yeah, just start um, talking about Sean and Corey. Even when they were little. Right. Remember when Sean and Corey used to blah blah blah? Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, the other interesting thing that I think about in this episode is the, there's, again, uh, it's me running around right now that's like, you are, statistically, you're wildly closer to being homeless than being a billionaire. You know, try to think a little harder about your class solidarity and that, like, you have far more in common with that either houseless person or or lower income family than you do with Jeff Bezos. So, so, you know, just. And next time, like you, you look down on something, be like, "Oh, you're two two bad steps away from that situation," whereas you're a uh, hundred thousand <laughs> steps away from the other one. The thing that actually surprised me in this episode is that they didn't go to the Matthews house just for the sole reason of there are a lot of people and there's more space. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that's all. It really. does. It does make basically no sense as to why the hosting of this is at the trailer park other than like we need it for the plot to be it's it's abundantly clear that you would have the dinner party at 
the larger venue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, just, um, it seems more accommodating. Moreover, there's more Matthews out. than there are Hunters. Correct. And it makes more sense for the smaller party to travel to the, to the larger party. Like, there, yeah. there's just every reason that it makes more sense that this should be at the Matthews house and not at the Hunters trailer, other than, like, the plot needs it to be. Um, well, and there, it, I feel like there would even be a line of, like, the Hunters saying, okay, we're excited, or, like, fine, the Matthews can come over, but if something is happening in the trailer park, then we need to switch venues. And so as soon as they're like, oh, yeah, this goat is on the loose, then I would be like, well, then maybe we shouldn't have guests and visitors right now yeah. with a, a goat no, on I, the loose. It could there's a goat, them. there's a bear. There's a bear, <laughs> apparently. Like, yeah, I feel like there. it should have, it just, I, of course, we needed it for plot, but it should have happened at the Matthews place just for the real estate alone. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you have way more space to take up at that point. Absolutely. I, I feel like Verna would have lost her shit at either place, though, because when she's at her own home, she's like, oh, I'm sure that you have all this nice, these nice things and blah, blah, blah. And I feel like if she were at the Matthews, she'd be looking at it all and she would just be so depressed because she'd feel so inferior. And my heart kind of goes out to Verna in this episode because she's really trying, but then she like kind of loses her mind and yeah. panics. And she was doing fine until she started panicking. And then it was all downhill from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so you really know, I was the asshole in this episode. Chet is Chet is a dick in this episode. All, I mean, all the grown-ups suck in this episode. Yes. Um, so, so like, I was trying to think about, like, besides the sake of the way the episode's written and the plot, like, trying to think of the connection to the the school lesson between Hutus and Tutsis and and how that feeds this, right? And so what is... Vini says that there's the Hutus, who are the have-nots, and the Tutsis, and how, like, the Hutus took up arms against Tutsis... And so, like, that, in, in, like, an allegorical standpoint, the trailer park crowd that forms and tells Chet to get rid of them would be our, would be our hoodoos. Mm -hmm. It's just such a serious historical event to be laying what is really, like, a small domestic squabble as an allegory for. Uh, for sure. <laughs> Which, like, I'll get in, I, I have thoughts on that in a minute. But I think that that from, like, a, from a screenwriter's standpoint, if you're, like, if you're going to do this allegory, then that's why it's at the trailer park, too, is that, like, you need to see the crowd of trailer park folks who are the allegorical Hutus in this taking up arms against the allegorical Tutsis in this being the Matthews. Otherwise, if, you know, if the hunters came to the Matthews, one, it's far less likely that, there would be like a neighborhood squabble because they would just be inside the house and that would be that. Also, Feeny um, is their neighbor, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could have done it, you know, like you could have had some some rich waspy neighbors being real shitty about, I don't know, like Chet being loud or something. I don't know. Which and also it would have been equally believable. Yeah, honestly. oh, 1,000%. <laughs> honestly, I would believe that before the right the even more believable part. right to have some yeah. like rich suburban waspy folks getting getting weird and shifty about seeing chet and verna and sean except i guess yeah we've established that like feeny is their neighbor so but they can have more neighbors than just feeny <laughs> that's true there could have been you know i don't know anyway i have thoughts on this on i have i've already touched on it like twice now and i just i i keep coming back to it in that like 
this episode in this allegory for the Rwandan genocide and, and civil war that happened there mm-hmm. just like sits weird. <laughs> yeah. All right. From out. the get go, the, the, the jokes at the beginning where Feeney is saying the names of African peoples and countries, um, and Sean and, and Corey are over here going, like, he's making up words. Um, yeah. Like, all right, you know, I get it. This was 96. That joke flew. It doesn't fly anymore. Um, no. It brings me, it made me think, okay, this was this was a huge oversight or deliberate ignorance. I don't know. When I was working at the Children's Museum pre-pandemic, this was like two years ago, we had a program that was, it was associated, we have like a dinosaur exhibit at the museum and there was a program associated with this dinosaur exhibit. Now the dinosaur exhibit is based on a real archeological archeological excavation where they found the like largest intact skeleton of the dinosaur called Sukamimus. Mm-hmm. And the skeleton was found in Niger, Africa. The program was this little like workbook basically that was like a scavenger hunt for kids in the exhibit to find information regarding like the real history of this excavation mm-hmm. there was like a decoder on the last page that was like solving the question of where the skeleton was found the answer niger obviously yeah and we're piloting this program in like a workshop with mostly like with the facilitators and staff and i and a few others kind of raise the concern of like okay y'all like i understand this is factual this mm-hmm. is in fact true but we're not concerned about giving a bunch of children a workbook where they are encouraged to decode a message, find that the answer is Niger and expect them to say it correctly say it when correctly. they proudly exclaim to their parents, I found the answer. It's Niger. Like that's not how it's going to go. Nope. <laughs> and Absolutely. the staff, the staff in charge at the time said like, Oh, we don't really foresee that being a problem. You know, we've done this with a few kids and it hasn't come up in our piloting and we think it'll be okay. I shit you not, day one of this program, I was facilitating it and I heard a kid finish the workbook and proudly exclaim that they found the answer and then Mm -hmm. said the N-word a couple of times because they didn't know how to pronounce it. And I literally, like day one, I was like, y'all. What did I say? (laughs) What did I, I told you so. All right. Which is, again, all I can kind of think about with Corey and Sean's bit in the beginning of this. And I feel like you as an instructor can elaborate, but if you leave them, like if you say, and specifically in Africa, instead of like just giving it, giving that word to them in a workbook and mm-hmm. having them try to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. It can yeah, be, and you... I would rather them know not know how to spell it than to try to say it incorrectly. <laughs> That's the thing. At and, that yeah, point. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, listen, it's like French colonialism over here. It's yeah. Niger, sure. But like, ain't no one going to get there. Okay. No, 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 no. Um, the kids don't speak French either. So like, what, <laughs> what do you want? Anyway, so so the jokes in the beginning of this with Corey and Sean and, and their reaction to African countries, pronunciations doesn't sit great. It's always just, I don't know, like it's it's interesting. Like Sean's paper at the end of this is a lovely summation of of him recognizing that that hate and discrimination and things like that are very much still alive and well in uh everywhere (laughs) okay like it's you know like that's an important lesson a child needs to learn is that their their surroundings are not above hate and so like that's great 
but it's a good paper, I guess, from a 15 year old in, in a, a recognition of his own experience and, yeah. and surroundings. It's just like one step too serious. The situation over in Rwanda is a step too serious to be comparing mm-hmm. it to a Thanksgiving dinner between white mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's the uncomfortable. Yeah. That's it's like, I feel like I just summarized. Just can't get similar. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not I understand that that's what you're learning about and so that's what you want to tie it into, but it's that you're it's different very incredibly mm-hmm. 1000% different the stakes are way lower and no one is dying mm-hmm. you know here's the thing too right like the hutus and the tutsis generally speaking is a class conflict yeah and and the history of it is is very very in depth and has a lot to do with colonial rule and establishment of uh, a class system that labeled people as either Hutu or Tutsi, which kind of became sort of a a race stand-in, despite the fact that uh, we were looking at people who didn't look wildly different from each other. And Mm -hmm. so, so like it was a class conflict a little bit more than a race conflict, but it it all got kind of mixed up. Uh, And so I recognize that like in this episode with a Thanksgiving, we're looking at what is a class conflict just like it's just not i don't know but people just, didn't not die <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one dies <laughs> genocide i don't it's, yeah yeah it's similar like similar problem but what the the gravity of like of their situation is way less to a point where it's like uh yeah i, I guess you could make that comparison but uh, like yeah it's it's a, it's a it's a stretch it's a stretch for me and i'm trying to think of like what could have been a better historical allegory like I'm trying to think of other like classist struggles historically, notable class struggles mm-hmm. that are not that like would make for a better allegory in that it wouldn't feel so detached. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, like the Anne Frank episode in the first season where we have Corey has to teach the class about the diary of Anne Frank and 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 there's Linda gets called a racist slur at the mall. That one doesn't have like a a problem of gravity Mm-mm. to me. Again, there is obviously a difference of life and death, but the hate is the same. Yeah. Um and and I don't know. I don't know. It's just something about this one. I can't can't get myself over the hill of like Sean's comparison of race family makes sixty thousand dollars a year and my family makes thirty thousand dollars a year and yeah. and we struggled to like sit down for a nice meal together because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, just like I'm just really struggling. Uh, and and again, when Feeney is like praising Sean's paper at the end, it is mm-hmm. deserved because it is good writing on his part. Yeah. Well, especially I mean, comes compared a writer, to his, so let's hope. Right. Compared to his, what we're led to believe his previous writings have been. Um, I would like to believe that later Feeney sits down with Sean and he's like, no, listen, this is excellent, but we should talk more about the context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would hope there's a post credits conversation. <laughs> but I mean, Feeney yeah. has let some things slide in the past, so it wouldn't surprise me if there wasn't, but he's also right, right. an old man who's learning and, we, we have to give him a little room to grow, even though he's old. Yeah. Sometimes old dogs can learn new tricks if they really try and have an open mind, just like Feeney. 
mm-hmm. thing about this, uh, the thing that bothered me, I think, w- the most is that you're supposed to kind of look at the Matthews and be like, oh, you're not trying hard enough like these people, blah, blah, blah. And I get that. I really do. But I, again, I think I empathize more with the Matthews in this situation for the sole reason of, of course, they couldn't get to know Sean's parents. They were gone. They abandoned him. So at Mm -hmm. the same time, while I'm like, yes, you shouldn't let something so silly as class difference, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, they didn't get a chance to get to know his parents because his parents abandoned him. Like, this is not... This is a way different situation from like, oh, well, my parents have never hung out with my best friend's parents because they just like never see each other. They have busy lives or whatever. They don't like each other or something. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, no. Going into this, the Matthews already have this predisposition against Sean's parents because his mom left and then his dad followed. And it was a struggle to get his dad just to come back. Yeah. The... I empathize more with the Matthews because honestly, I'm sure they would really enjoy getting to know Sean's parents, but they don't like, they don't agree with the fact that they were gone. And how could you? Yeah, I I think that's a good point for me. Right, right. That's a really good point. Like I would, you know, I, how could Alan and Amy, like, I don't know, feel good, like in respect Chet, at least, like, Chet shoves shit on them like crazy, you know, where he shows up and he's like, take my son in. (laughs) Um, Alan and Amy, they don't do an excellent job because they've definitely got, like, they've got some waspiness going on throughout the episode. 10,000%. But at the same time, I think you bring up a point in that, like, their relationship with Ben Verna is not just that, like, they never got to know them. It's that, like, they've basically only ever been put upon by Chet. Correct, yeah. And, and taken advantage of really yeah yeah their home and their family has been taken advantage of by this family specifically chet but then i mean it's also uh, everything about it verna was gone too verna left the things that the matthews already think about the hunters is not great and then having to like sit down and have a meal with these people and not mention the fact that they were gone and that sean was left with a teacher who was not really fit to raise a teenager. I just, mm-hmm. it's, that would be, that would be hard for me to sit down mm-hmm. with someone who's like parenting style or like their lifestyle choice regarding their child was something completely different. And I feel like that would be across the board. Even if the hunters were in the position of wealth and they were like millionaires and they invited them over to their state and blah, blah, blah. Even if that were the case, I, as the Matthews, would have a hard time sitting down with them and being like, I'm going to have a meal with you, even though I know for a fact your kid is going to be in therapy until he's 105 because you screwed him up so bad. <laughs> yeah. It'd be, that'd be challenging, regardless of class. That, that alone, that dinner is challenging. So yeah. I, that's why mm-hmm. I empathize just a little bit more with the Matthews in this situation. The, the classism, they don't handle well, but at the same time, regardless of the classism, it would be hard to have dinner with the hunters for me personally. Never mind the fact that Chet's kind of being an asshole and Verna's losing it a little Ugh. bit. Yeah, they're both. Again, I feel like if they had gone over to the Matthews, Verna might have been like depressed because she doesn't have as nice things. But at the same time, dinner would have gone swimmingly because they would have felt a lot more comfortable than I feel like they would have been more hospitable than the hunters were because Chet's trying to usher them out and Verna's having a mental breakdown. Yeah, I guess I... <sighs> 
I feel shitty about it, but like I, I feel like largely speaking, they, they try to make it such that it's like an even, oh, they're both not doing well. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, Alan and Amy get some serious foot in the mouth shit left and right. Oh. Okay. Like a lot, a lot of foot in the mouth, a lot of, a lot of stupid things they should just like do better at talking and and put aside some of their shifty like oh we're in a low-income neighborhood we're probably gonna get robbed and killed over here mm-hmm. like yeah okay put away a lot of that shit you're being assholes but chet and verna like that's being an asshole in an, in an effort to sweep them out of here and then yeah verna's losing it <laughs> like yeah she she starts. I don't know. Like I wish if she would just have an ounce of confidence in what yes. she is serving, it could be fine. Also, her sangria idea sounds terrible. I don't. Oh, the that. worst, the worst. I don't want it at all. And yeah, Chet, I like I, Chet, doesn't know how to accept a bottle of wine. <laughs> what yeah, the what? Fuck? Just say thank you so much. This would be. Uh, we have some wine for dinner, but this would be perfect for dessert. Period. Done. Or so just like say, oh, great. Like I don't, there's never there's no holiday at which anyone is upset about there being more alcohol. Okay. <laughs> If like, anything, no that would be like, perfect, we got a box and it wasn't enough. Oh, great. Like, when one runs out, let's tap the next. All right. You know how many bottles of wine sit on my family's counter? <laughs> like, oh, everyone that shows up brings time. a bottle or two and we run them through. Okay. <laughs> like, well, there is never too much wine. You don't have to say, like, oh, I already got some wine. Just be like, oh, great. Like, I'll put it over here with all other wine. It's not hard. That no. was very simple, Chet. That goes to show you that Chet and Verna never host anything. That sure. he doesn't yeah. comprehend that. That's just like a good indication of like, oh, well, they never have people over. So how how would he possibly know that it wasn't them assuming that they didn't have wine or like assuming that they needed to bring a nicer wine? It's like, no, no. Chad just has no experience with, <laughs> with right. accepting. It's a, it's a real insecurity showing off. Yes. Yeah. It was a yeah. little, like an ounce. I don't know. I don't know what's in that crock that Amy brings. The beautiful little, little... It dish is a nice there. Dish. Uh, I was thinking nice like maybe like mashed potatoes or something. Sure. My my chief issue is whatever's in there, it's too small. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There, this is a Thanksgiving of eight people, and whatever's in that dish she brought is too small. <laughs> Unless it's like something gross, like peas. In which case, like, why would you even bring them in the first place? <laughs> why not bring exactly. something actually like, good? <laughs> yeah. So. All right. That whatever whatever she brought is not large enough, and that's and that's my big issue there. <laughs> Also, at the beginning of this episode, this all begins because they don't want to eat the turkey. And I'm like, you're right. Who likes turkey? Why do we even eat turkey on Thanksgiving anymore? This is such a this is a universal fact. Turkey is dry. It's not that. Whoa, great. whoa, whoa. Why OK, slow down. Slow down. All right. Listen, I don't I you're you're shitting all over Thanksgiving turkey saying it's always dry and blah, blah, blah. And here's the thing. Thanksgiving turkey is most of the time like that because people don't know how to cook it because you only do it once a year. And now you, you go to allrecipes.com and they say that you should do this and that and put it in the oven for that long and that's that. And here's the fucking thing. Deep fry your turkey if you can. Oh. That's how you do it, okay? You deep fry the bird and that's how you make it a delicious Thanksgiving meal. I mean, don't set your house on fire Please. while you're doing it. Please. Deep frying a Thanksgiving turkey is, it's in fact, a dangerous thing, but it's something, if you do it correctly, it's infinitely tastier. That was what my dad always did, though, and it's delicious. Well, now now we know. Now everyone who's listening to this right now 
Uh-huh. Go have good turkeys because Lord knows we've been having really bad ones for a really long time. So <laughs> I mean, okay, like again, it's very diff- it's not like an easy thing. Like you need to live like in a house and have the space to have like a, a large. Oh, so it's classist is what you're saying <laughs> is what you're saying. I mean, I guess you don't need to live in a house, but you need to have like space to be able to deep fry a turkey. Like you can't do it inside, obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, that's smart. That's not entirely true, actually, because my dad once upon a time ended up buying a countertop electric turkey fryer and it's not practical to own unless you live in like a house where you can like stick it somewhere that you don't have to see it for the whole year so generally speaking you need to live somewhere at which you can set up a frying like bucket outside and a propane tank and all the stuff but if you can do it it's delicious there you go (sighs) so uh who's your mvp my mvp is frankie stakino Frankie and Herman in this episode. Frankie and Herman are the realest goddamn people in this episode. Frankie Stacchino is 110% the MVP. There is not a doubt in my mind because he is fucking great. He's so great. His his bringing Herman over to the Matthews house to ask if Morgan can join them for a slice of pie. Delightful. There was a very funny joke there where he says a dating matter and Alan says Amy called the cops. Amy called the cops. Um, that is funny. Big fan of that moment. But Frankie is the realist in that, like, he brings them all over to his trailer and it's like, let's put out our food. And and he is the patriarch for some reason. Vader and, and his mom are not there. I don't know why, whatever. Maybe he has a um, fight and he's going. I, maybe. I don't know. Whatever the deal is. Support him. But, like, Frankie is leading and he is, he is empathetic and kind and he is hosting with all the dignity that turkey looks great it does it it, that turkey looks crispy and juicy Mm -hmm. and like i know it's a prop but damn that looked like a good turkey and if frankie cooked it even more power to him yeah (laughs) all right now i do have a little bit of an issue with the frankie plot line in that like why are Corey, sean and eric bringing bringing Morgan over to this house before they've eaten dinner. It's supposed to be an after dinner slice of pie. I don't understand the timeline of things there in that it needs to happen. I get that much, but like it doesn't make a lot of sense for what we set up, but nonetheless, I love Frankie. I also don't understand Eric's. He gives thanks for being with all of his friends. Yeah. What's up with that? (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? Buddy, you don't have any friends. Everyone at college. Are you now claiming Frankie Stacchino as your best friend? Is that what's happening? Is that all it takes is someone to offer you food and then they're your best friend? Eric. Yeah. Standards. There's a bit of an issue there. But at the same time, Frankie is kind and gracious and giving and just the realest fucking MVP. Maybe one of the best MVPs of the season so far. I would agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. I would split it between Frankie and Herman, but I highly doubt we'll get any more Herman. And I think we already have a Frankie. So yeah, it's Frankie. For yeah. sure. I mean, Herman, Herman's a joy in this episode. He's, oh. he's delightful. Herman's always a joy. I love that kid. He's so funny. I know. <laughs> Do not underestimate him. He is Wiley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my so, favorite moments. Whatever, whatever writer was out here saying, whatever in the writer's room being like, I think we need a little more Frankie this season, guys. Yes. I'm missing out. They were right, okay? Because, they like, were. Frankie's character development, Frankie's character arc is maybe one of the best developments of any character in this entire series. Agreed. So and good. it's just a shame that we don't get Frankie after they leave high school. I 100% I agree. I wish Frankie had gone to Pembroke. I know, right? 
you're going to make Feeney go there, like stick Frankie in there too. Like clearly we're blurring the lines of what would actually happen in real life. Oh yeah. So. It doesn't matter. Frankie's in their class now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Great. Anything cool. else? I don't think so. You know, it's, <gasps> it's interesting. Oh no, you sound, you said it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say there was a, in their class, there was a black girl uh, sitting next to Topanga. And for a second I was like, Angela. And then I was like, wait, no, you're getting ahead of yourself. You got to chill. You gotta <laughs> calm down. You're too excited. <laughs> Damn. But also like how sad is, how sad is it that that jumped out at you? And the only possibility was that it was Angela. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's that says a lot in itself. But she was flipped around because she was looking at Sean. And so mm -hmm. I was like, turn around, turn around. And then as soon as she did, I was like, rats. Yeah. <sighs> not Angela. Not yet. No, I got too yet. excited. She ain't there yet. But yeah, I think she appears in an episode before she becomes a series regular. She just has like a one off where she like says one line. And then they're then two episodes later, it's like, oh, now Angela and Topanga are best friends. But I could be wrong about that. But for some reason, that is in my memory. So we'll see what happens right. with that. So if you're if you're joining and you're following along and listening, and if you're watching the episodes right before, like if you're doing what we're doing, um, yeah. Disney Plus has an error. Easy Street is for some reason listed as season four, episode 11 as the next episode, though that is not the next episode. The next episode is season four, episode 11, and Affair to Forget. Those are mm -hmm. flip-flop for some reason. So next week, we won't be covering Easy Street. We will be covering An Affair to Forget. So screw you, Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't take Boy Meets World off, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and then the following week will be Easy Street. Yes. Um, which we discovered the other day. And I, it started to autoplay, and I was like, wait a second. We talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why Disney Plus has it that way. Again, they had some errors with other series being out of order, so it's probably just a mess up. There's a, but then I was also thinking to myself, I was like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they did it on purpose because they wanted like a Thanksgiving then a Christmas episode right after it. But yeah, I, I, it's probably just a fuck up on their part. Um, thanks for listening, y'all. Check us out on social media and mm -hmm. uh, in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those places at, at the Phoenix Call Podcast. Podcast. Um, send us an email drop us a message if you'd like mm -hmm. we'd love to hear your thoughts do you think turkey is a dry piece of shit or should you yeah. deep fry it that's the answer <laughs> that's uh, the question so yeah, yeah. send us else? a there's a link for if you want to send us a voicemail there's a link in the description of the episode uh, if you have any questions or comments on the episode and then if you want to send us an email it's feeniecallpodcast at gmail.com we love to hear from you guys don't forget to rate review subscribe it really helps us out really gets the word out about the Feeny call mm -hmm. absolutely thanks so much and as always class dismissed <laughs>